I am Ansonia with Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold, a podcast which will feature conversations with musicians, singers, songwriters, radio personalities, and historians of gospel music. You will hear conversations with featured guests telling their story and history, their contributions to the richness of gospel music, and where they see gospel music trends. We will also host tribute shows to give honor to those who have gone on before us. We look forward to bringing exciting shows and present great episodes to keep you coming back for more. Today is Curtis Fondren, who has a hit which is has captured much accolades and awards, and is called "With Thee I Wed," featuring Desmond Pringle and Felicia Coleman Evans, which peaked at number one on the Billboard Nielsen BDS Internet Radio Gospel Chart. Curtis is a native of Chicago, Illinois, a seasoned music professional and a master percussionist. He has furthered his musical career by performing in such genres with singers such as Tremaine Hawkins, Reverend James Cleveland, Vanessa Bell Armstrong, and so many others. For over three decades, Curtis developed and perfected his musical craft while playing on various recordings. Today, Curtis serves as an integral part of the musical dream team at the Christian Tabernacle Church Baptist, which is under the was under the leadership of the late Pastor Maceo Woods. Welcome to Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. Hey, Curtis, how are you? And Sonia, God bless you. <laughs> well, a lot of my audience may have heard you playing, but don't know you, Curtis. Okay. So let's talk about that. Tell us a little right. more about you. Um, I was born and raised at uh, Fellowship Baptist Church, Reverend Clay Evans. Um, I've been playing for about, I guess about 45 years now. Um, my mom used to go to fellowship when she was pregnant with me. And um, my first cousin, Felicia Coleman Evans, uh, she and I are first cousins. My mom and her mom were sisters and they used to go to fellowship at the same time, you know, while they were both pregnant with us. We're two months apart. And at the time, uh, Felicia's mom was the president of the choir. And so uh, once we were born, um, I became a member of the junior church, uh, was in the junior church for a while, eventually became president of the choir, the junior choir. And then I was promoted to the youth choir, to the, the what we call it the big choir at fellowship. And then, uh, from there, they noticed that I had a talent of playing drums and they promoted me to the music staff. Uh, it was brought to, they would have these annual, not annual, they would have these uh, weekly meetings. Reverend would have a meeting with the music staff, Reverend and Ludella, um, Dr. Ludella Evans-Reed. And uh, it was brought to their attention. Stevie Stewart uh, said that I had a talent of playing drums. And at that time, 
we didn't have a permanent drummer. I was the first uh, permanent drummer at Fellowship to you know be on payroll and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so at that time we didn't have a drummer, and so they asked, uh, could I you know be on the music staff? And Reverend Evans and Dr. Lou Della said uh, yes. And so I came to the next meeting, and then I was a member of the music staff. Well, that sounds great. Wonderful. Now, did you uh, take music lessons? Or no, I've never, never had any lessons. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I always talk about elevation. Your talents will elevate you to yes. uh, different levels. Yes. <laughs> now, in that, so playing for fellowship, and for those that may not know about fellowship, I'm, I'm sure everybody in Chicago knows about fellowship, but that was one of the first mega churches that if what you what we classify today as a mega church right. and recording right. choir now that is something that was common but not common mm -hmm. and during that during those days you talk about 45 years ago where you would have recording choirs right now i'm going to ask you something really strange were you integral in either writing or creating the a part of any of the songs that were recorded during that time? Not until later. Um, during the time that I played on the staff, I just played drums. Um, 20 or so years later, the Lord blessed that I was allowed to co-produce Reverend Clay Evans' last CD uh, that he did, uh, Trust in the Lord. Mm. So I was co-produced, uh, I co-produced that particular album and it, was number three on the Billboard charts and stayed on the charts for 16 weeks. Okay, okay. Now I'm going to ask you something because I hear the word producer and co-producer. Explain a little bit more about what that what that experience is or what that actually is when you talk about that. A producer is one who I guess um, can pull the best out of each and, each and every individual that's uh, involved. Um, the, the producer would come in and he kind of um, tells what he wants from what angle and so forth and so on. He kind of sees the vision, he has the vision um, and then the musicians and the other people kind of play it out. Okay, now how would that, how did the process go of selecting the songs for the uh, recording? At Fellowship? Uh, during that time, we would have uh, various people like Margaret Duro, Margaret Pleasant Duro, who um, was from California. They would have various people come in and teach different songs like Calvin Bridges and Lamont Lennox and Reuben Lightfoot. Um, you know, so every recording, they would invite different people to come in and they would teach the songs to the choir and then we would record them. Okay. That sounds great. It sounds like a lot of fun uh, to oh, be a right. part of that, to be yeah. the uh, on the production side of it, because you get to see your creation or what you see in your head or what Correct. you feel, you get to see that come to life. It's like breathing life into something. And uh, I, I would equate that to uh, people who do plays. My husband can see, he does, uh, does plays director and he'll see something on the page and bring it to life, something that I'm, I'll look at and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I, I don't see right. the power in that. But then, right. you know, that breathing life into a project is such 
a great, I think would be a great feeling in that. It is, it is watching it come alive. And uh, it's just, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Okay, so have you produced more following that? I know you've written your own, but have you right. produced anyone else? Uh, there's a young lady named Eliana Porter. Um, Gregory Gay and I just uh, produced her. And uh, that's it so far, as far as producing uh, myself, her, and uh, fellowship. Okay. Well, that is that sounds to me like it is just a fantastic event to get started. So how did you connect with her? Or did she come to you and say, hey, I've got a project that I'd like you to produce? Well, actually, we noticed her. She did a video on YouTube. And uh, we liked the way she sang. Greg and I liked the way she sang. And so we contacted her and asked her if she would do a song on my project. And so we wrote a song specifically for her. And she came because my, my particular project is comprised of um, uh, various artists. And so it's the whole, the full album is gonna be about 19 songs. And so each song has a different soloist. And so we contacted her and asked her if she would come and sing a song, she obliged. And uh, after that, she did her own project and asked us if we would uh, produce her and her single. Okay, that is great. Now, um, you notice my eyebrows went up. People can't see it, but my eyebrows went up when you said you have 19 songs. How many yes. recordings do we see in this day and age? They usually only have seven to maybe nine record nine songs, but you say well, 19 songs, that would be co uh, considered a double album. <laughs> yes, it's gonna be a, a two disc. Okay. And we started off with just four songs and we had so many things that the Lord had given me. Uh, we just kept writing and writing and writing. And uh, we said, well, we'll add this song and add that song. Before we knew it, we had a two disc set. Uh, we first released the EP, which is seven songs. And then after that, we released the single, which is the With the I Wed. And so after that, we'll eventually uh, release the full album. Okay, that sounds exciting. Because- It is very exciting. Yeah, because nowadays, like I said, well, back then it would be a, I'm kind of giving away my age as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you talk about an album and there used to be the, the double album set, you would get so excited right. to get a double album right. set because you know that with each song, especially an artist that you like, with each song, you were going to get something better, something more powerful. That is yes. great. And that's yes. fantastic that you're doing that. Uh, I had no idea about the 19 songs. All right. Yes. <laughs> Looking forward to releasing that as well. Now, are you going to release that uh, on CD or is it also going to be available digital? Uh, hopefully, we'll, we're going to try to shop and see if we can get picked up by a label because right now everything is independent and uh, that's a lot of work. Um, so hopefully, um, since the single is doing so well, uh, we'll eventually get picked up and therefore you know, that would make way for us to also have physical CDs as well as digital. Now with that, and with that many songs and that many singers, I'm gonna go a different route and ask you. So let's say you're on a, you get invited to do a tour. Mm -hmm. 
Now, are you going to take all those people with, people with you on tour? No, I don't think so. Um, the way, because actually, when I first started recording the songs, uh, it was never imagined that you know we would be actually uh, performing live with all of the artists that were recording. Um, you know, so some would be able to make it, some wouldn't be able to make it because right now, uh, Desmond uh, pastors a church in LA. And then San Franklin pastors a church in Nashville. Um, so various people, you know, live in various different cities. So it would be kind of almost impossible to have a tour mm -hmm. per se. But I was just honored each person that is singing on the CD, um, the Lord placed them on my heart and I asked them if they would sing the song, uh, the particular song that we had for them. And they said yes. And so that's how we kind of got started. Actually, with the I Wed, believe it or not, was written over 20 years ago mm -hmm. um, by my writing partner, Jocelyn Buchanan and I. And at that time, we demoed the song and it just didn't go anywhere. And so now the opportunity uh, arrived where I could place it on this particular project. And so that's when I really learned that it's not all about my time, it's God's time. You know, mm -hmm. when God says it's time, then that's when you move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, uh, and I, I look more at the younger generation that the now, the now generation, now younger I'm mm -hmm. talking about, it wants everything instantaneously. Yes. And they don't realize that there's a lot of work going on in the background. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that go on in the background. And as you mentioned about God getting you prepared, you know, 20 years ago, you may not have been prepared for what would have mm -hmm. come from exactly. that. And, you know, we have to think in, in the terms of we can't work in the now. We have to work yes. in God's time. Exactly. So that is great. And I know that in mentioning that if, when you think about 20 years and I was having a discussion with some people about, you know, a lot of these artists that people think, oh, they, they just made a hit and they just, you mm -hmm. know, came out running. And I'm like, oh, no, you kind of, you have to look yeah. back <laughs> and look yeah, at the We've been history. working on this project for five years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is some yeah. dedication and some work. I wanted to take my time and, Sometimes it was whether I wanted to take my time or not, you know, like I said, God's timing. And I, I didn't want um, it put together cheaply. I wanted real strings and I wanted real horns and uh, real instrumentation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you talk about go back to old school, I wanted to, to have real instruments, real musicians perform. And so that took time, that took money. And again, uh, like you said, dedication. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, in, in mentioning, because I mentioned in the opening about the late Maceo Woods. Mm -hmm. Now, we know here in Chicago, those that grew up 45 years ago and beyond know that Maceo Woods was very instrumental in the recording field. Right. And being under, and uh, even Reverend Clay Evans. So th these are two pastors that you were under that mm -hmm. tell me what you gleaned from each one of them. Oh God, um, I learned so much from fellowship being that that's where I was born and raised. Um, 
I learned how to play. That's my that was my foundation. So I learned how to play any and every type of song, whether it be a ballad, whether it be an anthem or hymn, um, a contemporary, so forth and so on. And so then when I, I stayed on the staff at Fellowship for 15 years, and then I left and went to Christian Tabernacle. I've been at Christian Tabernacle this year, it'll be 35 years. Mm-hmm. And so learning um, with from Reverend Woods, I learned so much because I learned that a musician is more so or should be more so the accompanist. Uh, you hear some, a lot, so many choirs, you know, nowadays and even back in the past, uh, but more so now where the, the band is really featured and not, not necessarily the vocalist. And so with playing with uh, Christian Tabernacle Concert Choir, I learned how to be uh, an accompanist and they should be the ones um, that are featured, not the mm-hmm. musicians. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm glad you you mentioned about before and after because there were some choirs in back in the day that they were trying to outsing an organ and mm. outsing the musicians mm-hmm. yeah. and then wonder why when they got finished singing they couldn't hardly talk because yeah. you're trying to outsing mm. electronics. Exactly. You have a you have a natural instrument and a natural instrument is not going to be able to supersede any instrument that is electric or amplified in that sense. So, you know, and I know younger people will be listening. They're like, well, you know, you're jumping all over the young people. Well, they didn't do it. This just started happening. Exactly. (laughs) So, but I like the way you mentioned about that. Musicians are to be accompanists unless Mm -hmm. you're doing a completely instrumental. Right. If you're featured, yeah, then that's different, you know. Mm -hmm. So I learned that I took that from Reverend Woods and he, being that he was a musician himself, um, he had so much uh, respect for other musicians. He treated us like royalty. Um, It was just really wonderful working with him and under him Um, and and fellowship as well, you know, Mm -hmm. but uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. And then after that, uh, that's when it opened up doors from my affiliation with both of those um, churches. It opened up doors for me to play for other people and to travel, you know, overseas, Europe and so forth. And uh, God is just truly, you know, for not having taken any lessons, God is really, um, I've heard older folks say, take nothing and, and make something or take scraps and make a meal and take little and make much. And I'm a perfect example, perfect example of uh, how the Lord just took something, a a desire of mine. Mm -hmm. And I prayed and asked, and I did pray uh, because I remember when I first started, when I wanted to play drums, when I first started out, I was at school and wanted to try out for the church, uh, for the um, school band. And they allowed me to get on the drums and it was, disaster. My left hand was doing what my right hand was supposed to be doing and my right foot wasn't doing. And so I went home and I prayed and asked the Lord to give me um, the talent to play drums. And so he gave me the desires of my heart. And from that point on, I've been playing drums. Okay. And that that is, I, I like the, the key that you put there. The key is prayer. Yes, because when you have a desire and you really want to do something and prayer 
and dedication because I'm sure you didn't just pray and the Lord taught, let you play that one song, but you also had to practice. Yes, <laughs> I have to have a passion for it because mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not easy and it's not always easy. And uh, there'll be times when you might want to give up, but if you have a passion, your passion is not going to allow you to give up just because times get rough. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you think of now, I'm going to ask you this. This is something that I know that they have. I believe they're called clinics, like drum mm -hmm. clinics or musician clinics. Yes. Have you ever been a part of one or uh, I've never been one? a part of one, but I, I gave uh, lessons for um, the school music net. I taught there for a year. Um, and so they had students that wanted to come in and learn how to play by ear and so forth. And so I taught there, uh, but that was the only affiliation I had. I've never been to a clinic or taught at a clinic. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. And I'm glad that you mentioned about that too, is people that learn how to play by sheet music, which is what I did. I learned how to play by sheet music. It was hard for me to convert to try to learn how to play by ear. Okay. And I had to go to a music school that taught how to play by ear. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because some people think that, oh, if I go to school, they're going to teach me how to play by sheet music. Right. Not all schools do that. Not all music schools do that. They do train you to uh, play by ear. Mm -hmm. So, cool it's definitely is. a plus to know how to read music, and I know how to read a little, um, but mostly I play by ear. Okay, wonderful. That is great. Now I am going to ask you. Tell me of the first time that you were on the very first recording of Fellowship. Tell me about your feelings and what. What was running through your head? <laughs> oh, I was so excited. My first album that I recorded with Fellowship was the Silver Anniversary, 25th Anniversary album. And that was the first time I ever, because prior to that, even when I was on the staff for a while, uh, I wasn't ready to record. Mm -hmm. And so they allowed me to be on the staff, but then they would bring in uh, other studio musicians who I looked up to and studied you know, by watching them. And uh, oh, I remember recording that song, uh, that album. It was, I was just, wow, I was so excited. And then after that, uh, the next album was the Everything Will Be All Right album, which um, was, which had uh, Please Touch Somebody and a number of other songs. But uh, it was just, recording that fellowship was, was, so exciting in itself because we would record the whole day. And unlike a lot of uh, services now, you know, where you might have one service at fellowship, we had four services a Sunday. Mm. So there was morning service, the 11 o'clock, there was a 3.30, there was a 7.30, and then there was the nine o'clock broadcast. And so on the Sundays that we would record, we recorded the whole day. And it was just really exciting, something to look forward to. And then leaving from that, from that particular service and then going to the studio and doing the overdubs and learning how to mix and the, the behind the scenes production and how to produce. Um, it's just exciting. 
That is good. It's, it sounds good. I know that uh, when you mentioned about the, the various broadcasts, I remember mm -hmm. Chicago was really popping with evening broadcasts. So, yeah. and you would jump from broadcast to broadcast exactly. and they would be from seven o'clock to nine o'clock. And some of them mm -hmm. started, well, Maceo had that midnight musical. Right. <laughs> you wouldn't get right. out of there until you wouldn't get out of there until like three or four o'clock in the morning or yeah. maybe five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So yeah. in that, in thinking about that and, and transitioning to uh, uh, Pastor Maceo's church and the Midnight Musical, and we know that there were not only just the church choir that was singing, not only were they singing, but then there were other choirs that got up to sing. Were you one of the musicians that stood in the pit when you weren't playing and watching other uh, musicians? Well, when I came on to Christian Tabernacle, it was uh, the first time was just to play for Gospel Supreme. Mm. That's the annual concert that they have. And so I never uh, played any other midnight musicals or anything like that uh, with Christian Tabernacle. It was just, I started off with Gospel Supreme and he really loved the way that I played. And so he asked that I want to join the staff. And so that's how I started playing there. The Midnight Musicals that I was involved with uh, came in with Lamont Lennox and mm -hmm. Love Holiness. And uh, that's when I got a chance to travel and work under and with Lamont Lennox, who was a perfectionist. And uh, I loved working with him and, and he taught me so much uh, working with him. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. was kind of my Midnight experience, Midnight Musical experience. I remember we went to Detroit, we, we drove to Detroit and we were the Clark sisters uh, special guest and we got a chance to spend the night at their house. So that was exciting. We spent the night at the Clark sisters house and got up and performed at the um, at their midnight musical. At that time it was Maddie Mouse Clark and Southwest um, Michigan. Is it Southwest? South Michigan, Michigan? Engine. We'll, we'll I'm, remember I'm it later. <laughs> but that was that was my experience in playing in the various uh, midnight musicals. Mm -hmm. Now, for those who are not familiar with Gospel Supreme, give the give a little highlight of what Gospel Supreme is. Every year, the, the choir is um, presented in a concert, and they also have various guests um, that that are invited and they perform as well. Uh, this past September, which is held every year in September, this past September, uh, we did a live recording and uh, I was allowed again, the Lord blessed, where the choir for the first time recorded one of my songs. So um, I wrote a song for the choir and uh, we're under the leadership, uh, Pastor DeAndre Patterson is now over Gospel Supreme. And so now the, the CD, we're in the studio now working towards getting that together. And so I was also fortunate enough to become uh, one of the co-producers of the CD. So um, that happened this past September, but back to Gospel Supreme. Gospel Supreme has been going on for, um, well, the church is in its 63rd year. Mm -hmm. And I believe Gospel Supreme has been going on for about 40 years. Um, so every year we look forward to 
uh, the choir being presented. And then they also bring in guests. Sometimes the guests are local here in Chicago. And then sometimes um, they send out and get various guests, Tremaine Hawkins, Walter Hawkins, um, Gerald Coley, mm -hmm. uh, Richard Smallwood, some of everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sounds great. It sounds exciting. Now, I want to now transition into you writing. When did you start writing? Uh, again, I, I wrote with the I Wed, along with my writing partner, uh, Jocelyn Buchanan, we wrote that over 20 years ago. So I, I started writing quite a bit, of, uh, a long, quite a long time ago, but nothing came to fruition. And mm. so I knew that um, the Lord would wake me up and I would get up at three or four in the morning and, and jot things down. Um, and sometimes I would get a melody. Most times I would just get the lyrics. And so I would say about 25 maybe 30 years ago, I started writing. And now things are finally coming into fruition. Great, that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Now, I'm going to ask, and I know I keep saying now, I should stop saying now, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> In going and thinking more about where you've been and what you've done. And I know that you said you worked with Reverend James Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Now I know that he had a different format of teaching and a different format of training in comparison to, and this is just a hypothetical comparison. It doesn't have to be a match. In comparison to, and I know that you mentioned about Walter Hawkins, did you get a chance to play uh, for him at any time? I played with Tremaine, not Walter. Tremaine? I played with Tremaine several times, yeah. So I would ask the difference in, because we know that James Cleveland actually came from Chicago, transitioned to Michigan, and then uh, his final place was in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And we know that on the different coasts, different areas, they have a different sound. Was there a common sound that you heard James Cleveland bring from Chicago? And I, I guess you know, actually, um, I don't know if you're aware that he used to be on the music staff at Fellowship. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where I actually got a chance to work with him. It wasn't outside of um, Fellowship or Chicago. So my working with James Cleveland came in working with him and playing for him at fellowship. Okay, okay. Yeah, I did know that he was there. I do, mm -hmm. I do dig through some history a little bit. <laughs> okay. But you know, sometimes people don't listen to or don't pay attention. Um, as I was in a conversation with someone who didn't realize that Milton Bronson could sing. And mm -hmm. I said, well, when the Tommies started back in the 40s or the 50s, uh, when they started, he was one of the main male vocalists for the group, right, you right. know, and a lot of people don't know that. But at, and when I mentioned to someone else about James Cleveland, there was a, a deep discussion about, well, James Cleveland came from California, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, mm. no, he started in Chicago because he did work closely with Reverend Clay Evans. He started and then he would when he got ordained, he moved on to right. Michigan, the Detroit area. And then right. he moved on to California. So that is 
just the small tracks of, of where people go. I will ask this, when James Cleveland, Reverend James Cleveland got to California, did he ever call you and say, hey man, won't you come play for me? <laughs> no, I, I didn't know him like that. He was personal friends with Pastor Woods. And in fact, right before he passed, the uh, choir was scheduled to pay a visit to him at his church. We were supposed to be going to California uh, to play at his church. Mm -hmm. And he passed right before that. So I, I wasn't close to, you know, I was a little kid back in those days, um, just learning. Uh, but he was very close with Pastor Woods. And so that was association where I was really looking forward to going to California to his church mm. and never got a chance to make it. Okay. But uh, I thank God for the people, you know, a lot of times I don't get a chance to mention people who were very instrumental. Uh, I did mention uh, Lamont Lennox. Um, I would like to mention Shelby Wills, who was uh, responsible oh, yeah. for me playing. I did three albums with Father Hayes and Cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was because of Shelby that brought me on board um, to play with Cosmopolitan, which was really exciting. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't know at the time that uh, we did the Jesus Can Work It Out album. I wasn't really scheduled to play on that album. I was coming um, to be support. And Shelby called me uh, about maybe three hours before the recording set started. And he said, Curtis, you know, you're coming down to the church. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to be there rooting you guys on. He said, well, no, I need you to come down and, and play. I said, what? He said, yeah, you know, they had fired um, the drummer. Now, Dennis, Shelby's brother, he was the main drummer there, but they had an assistant drummer and they fired the assistant drummer the day of the session. I don't know the ins and outs of what happened, but Shelby said, you know, I need you to come down. And I said, well, I haven't had any rehearsal. He said, oh, you're a professional, don't worry about it. You know, you can do it. And so I came in um, and that was, little did we know that particular album was gonna be history. You know, Jesus can work it out and the whole mm -hmm. nine. And uh, that was how I ended up playing with, Chris, uh, with Cosmopolitan. And then after that, he asked me to play for two more albums, the, the following two okay. after that. Yeah, that is great. Well, I mean, not great for the guy that got fired. But, you oh, know, right. sometimes <laughs> I, I have to say this. Sometimes you have to make those tough decisions. Um, yeah. And just to tell yeah. you this real quick, my husband and I uh, ran a not-for-profit nomad theater company. So we were a community mm -hmm. theater company. And one of our largest productions, we had a guy that he just, he wasn't doing what we needed him to do. So the week before we fired him. So I okay. understand, you know, sometimes things happen and you have to do what you have to do for the right. sake of the project. I'll put it that okay. way, because you cannot jeopardize that. And if you know someone that is professional that can step in and that can mm -hmm. do so. So when you look back on that and you say, hey, I didn't think I could do that, but look what God did. Right. And it was <laughs> such a joy working with Dennis. Dennis Wills at the time because he was so unselfish and he welcomed me in and you know a lot of the times he would uh, on most of the songs that Dennis was playing he would get tired 
during like the middle of the song. And so we were, we learned how to, when he got tired, he would give me the signal. He would jump off the drums and I would jump on and I would end up playing um, the, the rest of the, the song. Rest. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the songs that you hear Cosmopolitan singing, if Dennis started it off, you know, then uh, chances are that's me playing towards the end of the song or from the middle to the end. Now that is a skill upon itself. Now yeah. I've, I've seen organists do that in the middle of a song where they, mm -hmm. you know, slide and, and stuff, but getting behind a set of drums is yeah. a lot more difficult because drummers are usually in a, uh, an enclosed space mm -hmm. or usually have their back totally against the wall. I'm, I would just love to see some video of watching you guys transition <laughs> without losing the beat because I know Father Hayes, yeah. he wasn't playing. Right. But well, what they would do is uh, they would stop the music, you know, like do a break. And during that particular break, he would jump off and I would jump on. And the important thing was to make it so that make it sound like there wasn't two obvious drummers. Mm. So I had to uh, make sure that I was within the same spirit per se um, as Dennis, you know. Okay, that is good because, uh, well, we know that Father Hayes was also a musician. Um, yes. So he, he yes. knew, <laughs> sometimes I could hear him, hear him saying some things. Right. Just, uh, right. you know, when you think about the, not to sound braggadocious about Chicago, but there is a difference in Chicago style. And when you think about these pastors and ministers who have the gift of music as well, and they may not sit down at the piano all the time, or they may not sing all the time, but they do know their music. And if right. something's not right, <laughs> right, they will tell you that something's not right. James well, Chambers yeah. was James Chambers was good for that. If if something was wrong, he would tell you it was wrong. <laughs> I believe it. And pull your coattail. So Pastor Wilson was the same way as um, uh, Reverend Evans. You know, Reverend Evans would say, "Pick up my spirit." You know, and we if he struck up a song, we would have to. By the time he says, "I will," then we need to come in on trust. Mm. You know, and if you didn't pick up his spirit per se then you weren't there very long. Well, I like that. I like that term, pick up our spirit. That is yeah. good. I, yeah. I actually spoke with uh, Dr. Ludella a few weeks ago. She was one of our interviews. A few, yes, yeah. indeed. And I, I had in, in talking about what, what goes on and you do have to do that. Musicians, some musicians think that they could just uh, sit down and play. And, I, you know, I say this because I know some musicians and I've seen them and mm -hmm. they think that they can play their way. Right. And but you cannot play your way if you're actually an accompanist. Mm -hmm. You have to play the way that the spirit leads your leader. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. And and flow with it. That's why a lot of uh, a lot of them, because I recall hearing uh, because my grandmother used to listen to Clay Evans on the radio and you would hear him say certain things and it would just catch your ear to be so funny. <laughs> but yeah. he was actually giving direction, not only to the musicians, but he was giving direct direction to the choir when he would make a statement. 
Right. And right. just someone who was unassuming would think that he was just making a statement, but he was actually talking to his musical staff and talking to his choir. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I learned so much being there. And we didn't really realize what we had, I think, until we weren't there anymore. But um, when I left, uh, I believe we had about 12 drummers <laughs> by wow. the time I left. Yeah. So it was time for me to leave and go over to Christian Tabernacle. But uh, it was really something, an experience that I would never, uh, I wouldn't have changed anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you mentioned uh, theater also. I learned so much from working with uh, Black Ensemble, Jackie Taylor and Black Ensemble. So I was, I played there. I was on the staff there for about seven years, I think. Mm -hmm. Now tell me how you came to start working with Jackie. McKinley Johnson, who is a member of Christian Tabernacle, was doing a reading. And that particular, uh, for that particular reading, we went to Black Ensemble for um, the reading. And so after the reading was over, I had never met Jackie. And uh, she asked me, you know, what was my affiliation and who I played with. And I talked to her and uh, for the next show, they called me up and said, you know, would you like to come in and be an understudy? And so I started being an understudy under Jimmy Tillman. And then I, later on after, uh, after that, an understudy for Robert Rhetoric. But that was how I started playing a uh, Black Ensemble. Okay. So that is, it's, it's nice when people talk about you in a good mm -hmm. sense and you're around people because you get to know and understand different people and also different genres. Some, some people are very sticklers on the type of music and it's all in, I think, it's all in the way you present it. There yes. are some things that, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, David Brock. David yeah. Brock, he From puts Michigan, a, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. He puts a lot of classical music into mm -hmm. the gospel world and people don't really, some, some people really don't notice it, but he, you know, his background was classical musician. And, but somebody else will say, well, you can't bring that stuff up in here and, and thing, but it's all in how you present it. That's, that's what I think. It's all in how you present it. I had a chance to meet him uh, at one of the, the musicians' breakfasts that uh, we used to attend that Lavelle Lacey would put on. And he would come in from Michigan to attend the breakfast. And I got a chance to meet him there. Mm -hmm. Now, Lavelle Lacey, oh my goodness. What a talented, yeah. what a talented yes. man. What a talented man. He is yes. um, sweet spirit. Um, yes. Just fantastic. He is missed. Yes, he is. <laughs> and yes, he is. yeah, so there were, there's a lot of people around that help nourish. And that, that's mm -hmm. what I say is that when you're in a, when you're in a church and when you're uh, involved in a positive ministry, you're nourished. And that, it, that sounds good to me because you sound like you have been nourished by the people, your leadership that you were under, that you were nourished and fed, not, yes. not um, how can I say, where some musicians feel like people are draining them. You were mm -hmm. being filled. So that is, exactly. that is so good. Now, when you mentioned 
and I'm going to ask this and then I'll probably jump off this for a second. But anyway, <laughs> when you when you mentioned about your music is on an independent per label, is it on an independent label right now? No, it's not on, not on a label. It's just an independent project, which means I'm uh, fronting all the money. I'm uh, paying for studio time, uh, artists, musicians, the whole nine. Whereas if you have someone have a label or something, then they're kind of putting the money up for that. But one of the reasons it's taken so long is because I was financing everything myself and I wanted to make sure everything was done just right. Okay, okay. Because I, I was, I thought, well, I was mis misunderstanding. I was thinking that you were an independent label, but no. looking to be picked up. Okay, so you're not a label at all. No. Oh, okay, okay. No. Well, there are some independent labels that are out there. <laughs> yes. Well, um, anybody that's interested. <laughs> what you say? Here, here, here I am. Yeah. Well, I know that on with, and I'll go back to your song, With The I Wed, that, mm -hmm. had, that has hit number one. Praise when that song how did it get revived from 20 years ago to current time? I took uh, the song, the demo version, to uh, one of the co-producers, Ferris Evans Jr. And uh, he did the track for me. And we kind of gave it, gave it some uh, today flavor. And so then, because at that time, it was just a solo. Um, it was written. And the, the person that recorded the song was uh, the soloist, Jocelyn Buchanan. And so after we revised it, the Lord put, put it on my heart and said, well, this can be a duet. And so that's when I called uh, Desmond and then asked my cousin Felicia. And they both said, of course, yes. You know? And so that's how um, it came to life. And then we, after we got in the studio and put the live strings on and everything, we decided that it would make a good single. And the engineer, uh, Dennis Tusana, um, said, you know, this would be a great single. And so we chose it as a single and it's done very well. Well, tell me about the experience when you heard it hit number one. Did you scream and holler? Because you seem like you're a rather calm kind of guy. <laughs> Actually, I started crying. Um, okay. I was at, um, the Lord allowed the song to be played at, has some friends at uh, Fellowship, Patty Dixon and Lawrence Dixon, and they just celebrated their 50th year anniversary and they were renewing their vows. And so the bride asked me if she could use the song to come in on, uh, make her entry on. And I said, oh, that would be such an honor. And so we attended the uh, ceremony. And as we were sitting in the ceremony, I got a text saying that the song had just hit number one. And all I could do was start crying. So, you know, just like, wow. So uh, the love of my life, Donna and I, we were just sitting there crying like two babies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that is, you know, when you get emotional about a piece, because I always say this, when an artist 
puts something out there, whether you're singing, whether you're writing, whether you're playing, whether mm -hmm. you're an actor, you know, when you put it out there, people don't realize that you're actually opening yourself up. Exactly. And you have poured something into a piece. That's why, you know, I try to respect what people write, what people play, what they sing, because you don't know what that person went through to write that music, to exactly. write those lyrics or what was going through their hearts or their heads, you know, and that's why I say sometimes people are very critical, but they don't know mm -hmm. the backstory. I always mm -hmm. like to try to see the backstory and find out, you know, well, why did you write that? Or why, why was that so instrumental to you? I think and, when, we, when, we, when we created the song, we wanted something that was gonna speak to both secular, the secular world and the, the Christian world, the church world. Um, we wanted something that could do what it's doing now, you know, and it's, it's speaking to everybody. And we wanted to also make it known uh, that God ordains marriage, mm -hmm. you know, and speak to the sanctity of marriage. So I think we accomplished what we were setting out to do. Uh, you know, God allowed it, allowed it to be. And so that's how the song was created. Okay. So this was an inspiration of your wedding. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm reading the notes. I'm reading the notes from your Bible. Yes. <laughs> so and, it's, it's, uh, it's been quite, a, quite an experience. Um, it's such an honor. And I want to thank you again for even thinking about me to interview me. I, I'm so honored. And, well, I, um, I'm honored that you agreed because some people don't agree to coming on because I believe in, well, I started this podcast so that people can tell their own story. Mm -hmm. And we, as a people, as African-American people, we don't have our history out there. We don't have our book out there. We don't have this out there. And I really want to honor people while they live. Exactly. You know, there are as we were talking about Lavelle Lacey, Lavelle, I'm, I've known Lavelle for quite some time and actually spoke to him back in 2016 because there was a project that I wanted to work on. And my project was I wanted to do a documentary about people wow. who, are gospel, who are in the gospel world that may not necessarily be standing on the main stage. Uh, the secular world only sees certain people in gospel, but I know that there are so many others that are not um, scene, but you hear their music, you hear the lyrics, yes. you hear, you feel their spirit in the song, and you don't ever get to know them. And I really wanted to talk to Lavelle. Uh, he was between him and Brenda Joyce Moore. Those were the first yes. two people that I wanted to talk to. And unfortunately, they both passed before I got this, yeah. I got this started. So, um, and I like doing tribute shows, but I my better part is talking to people while they can tell their own story. <laughs> okay. I was fortunate enough and blessed to record a CD with Lavelle. Um, there was a musician, there's an album featuring um, Brian Jones. Um, mm -hmm. Who are the other? It's, it's on YouTube, you can find it. Um, and there's, there's a number of musicians uh, playing and I was the featured drummer on there. And so Lavelle was 
uh, co-producer of that particular project. And so I was able to, you know, record that with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that Lavelle wrote a lot of a lot songs, of songs. Yes. a lot. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people recorded. It wasn't yes. just that he wrote the songs, but a lot of people recorded his stuff. So, yeah. you know, and he played on a lot of it too. So right. that was, you know, just a, that's why I say he's a wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful spirit. And I'm sorry that he is no longer with us. And one day I'm going to do a tribute show about him. I will. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. There's a, there's a few people that are no longer with us that I would like to do tribute to. And uh, thinking about uh, Ethel Holloway. Ethel Holloway, yes. Oh my gosh, oh my yes. gosh, what a powerhouse. Yes, <laughs> yes. She was my mother on the, um, on the road. I played with Jesse Dixon for three years. Okay. Traveled with them. And so while I was on the road with them, she said that she would be my mother on the road and make sure that I didn't get any, into any trouble and go oh, and I. And so I loved her dearly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, maybe I'll ask you to come back when I was, I've been trying to talk to Ramon so that we can, uh, Ramon oh, Perry. My brother, yes. So that yeah. we can uh, talk and give tribute to her because I think she was an unsung hero as well yes, because yes. She was uh, a powerhouse for, for a long time for the Tommies. And then when she went out and did her solo career, and before that was a, a musician, well, yes. a minister of music. So there are so many people. And like I said, there's so many people that we don't hear about. And mm -hmm. I wanted to, and like I said, I thank you for agreeing to come on and talk well, and tell you. your story. Thank you. <laughs> And I think, yeah, I always try to remember people and sometimes you never have enough time to mention, but people like Stanley Davis, who was instrumental in uh, a lot of what I'm doing now, um, because I was one of the first musicians to be able to play for a gospel fest mm -hmm. because Stanley was one of the, you know, the one that created that. And so back in the day, you know, he opened up opportunities for me, Lamont Lennox, um, the opportunity to work with Elder Jordan, George Jordan, who wrote uh, Jesus Can Work It Out and God Never Fails. Um, I've just been blessed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually interviewed uh, L. Stanley. He was the interview before Mama Lou. Okay. <laughs> but he had, there's going to be three parts for him because uh, I did two parts, but I didn't do the third one because I wanted to get Mama Lou in there. <laughs> understand, <laughs> I understand. It, there is so much that like I said behind the scenes and I love to hear the stories of people who have evolved in going from going on a journey of being a musician and a songwriter and learning and you know some people will learn things and they'll just hold it in and not mm -hmm. use it but you're using what you've learned and you're not jumping the gun and saying, well, I need this to happen and I need that to happen. But you are taking the path that the Lord is leading you on, utilizing those skills. Because sometimes when you're working with people, you don't realize the skills that you're picking up. <laughs> yes, yes. And you had some of the some of the top ones that you're working with, Reverend Clay Evans, Racio Woods, yes. Father Hayes. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
So yes, that is I've been blessed. that is great. It is, I think, a fantastic journey. Now you talk about your writing partner. Have mm-hmm. you mentioned your writing partner's name? Yes, Jocelyn Buchanan. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, she's one of the uh, lead soloists in Christian Tabernacle's choir. Okay, well, that yeah. is great. So wonderful. Yeah. Now, I, I, I see- believe in giving people that just do, you know, I certainly didn't do any of this on my own. And so I always like to acknowledge those that are also involved um, to the engineer who has done a fantastic job on everything uh, with this project. Dennis, Dennis Tusana, uh, the person that uh, has done the artwork on the cover, uh, Bonnie DuBose, mm. uh, Cliff DuBose, who's done 95% of keyboards, uh, Gregory Gay, who has co-produced. Um, I'm just thankful for you know everybody that I'm involved with. Everybody that I'm involved with, the Lord placed them there. Okay. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) That is wonderful. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question. And I want you to think long and hard, long and hard. (laughs) (laughs) So we know that you have 19 songs that will be out soon. Yes. And we're going to put it in the atmosphere. Label, label, label. Label, label. (laughs) yes that so that we can hear these wonderful works of art these these wonderful pieces of music and i'm going to ask you besides the the cd the double cd that is going to be released tell Mm -hmm. me what else you have going on right now i've been so consumed in that nothing else has allowed me to um, even venture into anything right now, because like I said, we've been working on that for about five years and it's just to the point where it's about to be released. So maybe once it's finally released then I can dibble and dabble in some other projects. Um, In addition to mine, like I said, we're in the studio now uh, working on Christian Tabernacle CD. And so that'll be forthcoming. And uh, who knows, whatever else the Lord has in store. Mm -hmm. So if someone wants to get in contact with you, you know, label, label, label. (laughs) Label, 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 speak it. Um, I'm available on Facebook. Uh, I'm available Instagram. Um, What, Twitter? Uh, My email address is abbreviation drummer boy, D-R-M-R-B-O-Y the number two, the letter D at yahoo.com. Repeat that part. D-R-M-R-B-O-Y, the number two, the letter D at yahoo.com. Drummer boy. All right, that is wonderful. (laughs) I always ask people to spell things because sometimes people will be listening and they're like, what they say? And they spell it all kind of crazy ways. So that is wonderful. Now, I want to thank my guest, Curtis Fondren. Now, I'm pronouncing that correct. Is that? Yes, exactly. For participating in this segment on Let's Talk Gospel Music Gold. These shows are to explore, record, and raise excitement about gospel music and its gold. I hope you, the audience, enjoy this episode as much as I have. 
please send me an email sharing your thoughts about this show segment. Also, if you have any suggestions of future guests you would like to hear on the show, send an email to let's talk to gmg at gmail.com. That's let's talk the number two gmg at gmail.com. You may also like and share this episode. And if you'd like to be alerted when the next episode publishes, subscribe. I am your host and Sonia saying, let's sing, let's shout, and tell of the great news through Gospel Music Gold. Until the next episode, take care and God bless. God bless you, Aunt Sonia. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. My guest, Curtis Faldron, is a 2022 nominee as Contemporary Christian Artist of the Year at the Gospel Choice Music Awards. You can vote online between March 10th through March 31st, 2022. Vote online at www.gospelchoicemusicawards.com.